Welcome to the Live Greater View, a financial planning podcast produced by VLP Financial Advisors that discusses life, money, and perspective. We help clients live their best life at every stage through our VLP Live Greater partnership process. Thank you for tuning in. All right, so here we are, first episode of our VLP Live Greater podcast. Very exciting, um, getting off the ground and running. So one of the first things, Chris, is, you know, really kind of why we decided to do this and where we're going with it. And, you know, kind of our thoughts was we're going to design to give clients and potential clients a look at what we do here at the firm, how we process and and just how we kind of go through the whole planning process. Yeah. And it's cool to see all of this come to fruition. I mean, we've talked about this for at least a couple of years now, and it's great to see it all come together. And, you know, if you think about the other podcasts that are out there, there's a lot of industry experts there's a lot of fun companies or wholesalers that might have podcasts but there's very few that actually are on the ground meeting with clients on a day-to-day basis so we hope that this is something that can be um, a resource for people to listen to to really hear from a firm that's actually in the trenches helping clients managing real money um, for people and we think it's going to be something that's different than what's out there yeah and also the great thing is you know kind of the thought is we'll, we'll go through some examples real life examples yep. we'll preserve the names to protect the innocent but um yep. you know that's a a great thing i think just because there's going to be circumstances that other people will be like wait that's me and um so i'm really excited to see where this goes yeah and you know a lot of the stuff that's out there in the, in the industry you know sometimes you can put it to practice you know into practice sometimes you can't um, we'll be able to provide more context around different scenarios for of when things might apply, when they won't apply. So anyways, we're really excited to give everybody a firsthand view. Um, so with that being said, you know, I think that it makes sense for us to kick off um, each episode with what's going on currently in the market. What are our thoughts on recent events and, you know, bring everybody up to speed before we talk about what we're going to feature in each episode. So, um, you know, Rose, we had a big week this week with inflation data. Um, what are your thoughts on the report, uh, where we go from here, and just you know unpack some of that for us? I think everyone's thought is, oh, what happened, right? Um, yeah. Everyone expected it started to come down. I think they're even surprised to see it 3%. That was lower than mm-hmm. even most economists or anyone um, anticipated. Mm-hmm. So the question is, what's it going to look like next month? Because the Fed said, we're going to pause. But and there might be some rate hikes to come. But what we're you know when and if eh, maybe longer, we'll kind of have to see where it goes. Right, and that's what you know that's what we're we're thinking about when we're managing client portfolios. You know, we expected it to come down. There was a big base effect of inflation peaking last summer, and we knew that we were going to get a pretty you know steady drop off coming into this summer. Now the real question is, is it going to pop back up? We saw in the '70s that actually went down. It popped up again, but and then the Fed had to keep raising interest rates. So obviously. That's the big concern, um, you know, this go around. So we'll see what happens. And, you know, as we close out the first half of the year, I think everybody's positively surprised with the performance of not only the stock market, the bond market also. So um, what are your thoughts on, you know, things that have happened on both sides of the equation there? I think it's been extremely interesting in the markets um, for a couple reasons. One is if you went back to January and read what everyone expected this year to look like, yep. I don't think we would have had anybody who was quite would have got the mid-year right. Right. Um, you've seen bond interest and in, in performance go peak up, go down, back up, and really just kind of all over the place, depending on language and direction from the Fed. Uh, I think the biggest surprise is large cap growth, massive bounce back after an abysmal year. Was it unexpected? You know, we always say history doesn't repeats itself, but we tend people tend to forget what history looks like. Um, I think the biggest surprise, though. 
to be fair, as we thought, you know, I think a lot, and everyone kind of thought large cap value was going to be an area that was going to continue with strength, but not a lot of people foreseen some of the issues we saw with some of the banks mm-hmm. that um, a lot of a lot of consolidation. We've had some banks that had some issues, um, and I think that really fed into. Uh, positively surprised, I think that would be the accurate word, mm-hmm. um, but still a lot of cash on the sidelines. So, and that may not move because now you're actually seeing interest rates at a reasonable, reasonable rate. Right. And, you know, on the bond side with rates, it seems like they're wanting to peak. We talked about in one of our last videos, 4% being that really key threshold for the 10 year treasury. Um, it recently popped above 4%. Then it was just rejected and went right back down. Um, below that number. And to us, it feels like inflation, you know, like we just talked about, is probably peaking. And within the bond market, it feels safer now to extend duration and, you know, get a little bit more comfortable owning um, longer duration bonds when really for the last 18 months, that's been something that we've been somewhat hesitant to do. Um, And within the bond market, we're also paying attention to credit quality. You know, when interest rates go up, that obviously flows through the whole system. The average credit card rate now is over 20%. Um, consumers have been able to take a lot of these interest rate hikes in stride up until this point, but we know that you know there is eventually a shelf life for that. A lot of student loan payments are coming back online here after the end of the summer, so there's a lot of um, you know things that are up in the air as far as the consumer is concerned. And when we're managing portfolios for clients, we just want to make sure that, it, particularly on the bond side, that we hold things that are high quality. Yeah, and I think that's an area, certainly with clients in a um, high tax bracket, that's really, I think, an interesting place that we've been talking about is municipals and owning those true municipal bonds, again, where you can get a 4%, but on a tax equivalent yield, you know, you're know, you closer to 7 or 8 So there's, there's some opportunities certainly out there, um, but definitely it's going to be an interesting fall because I do think uh, all the things you mentioned, specifically student loan, consumer debt, and if we continue to see some layoffs, uh, we could start to see some some debt issues rising and slowing down the economy also. Got it. Great. So on to the episode for today. So we are talking about distribution strategy during retirement. This is something that we specialize in and something that we do a lot of work in for clients. Um, and you know, when we think about where do we even start with this phase, you know, we think that it's important to really address that the accumulation phase is very different than the distribution phase. That's really where we would start. Um, Initially, when we get together with with potential clients, they're saving money, they're doing all of the right things. And next thing you know, retirement is 10 years away. They have a lot of things on their mind. There's a lot of moving parts. And that's where they come to us to step in and really start to put some of these other pieces together for them. Yeah. And I think the the tricky thing, um, which is challenging, is you spend your entire adult years learning how to save, right? Mm-hmm. It's that accumulation phase where ingrained the 401k, you put money in savings, you have emergency, blah, 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 buy a house, all those things. Then you get to this and you're like, now, how does that work when I'm not working? And now I have to start this distribution. And there's so many different ways you can go about it. There's so many different strategies. And that's where I think that, you know, we clients start to get paralyzed. Mm-hmm. And just the thought of, you know, just the clients I mean today is, can I really spend that or, or how do I take that money out or why do I spend that money or why can't, why don't I just leave it here or we'll cut back. And, and I think that's an area that you really have to help clients understand and, and it's okay. It, you know, this money is for a reason. Yep. 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 And if you think about, you know, younger, um, you know, people, you know, say a traditional trajectory, you, you know, are younger, you get out of school, you get your first job. 
there's somewhat of a, a rule book to play where you know that after you you know get out of college, then you get your first job. Okay, enroll in the retirement plan, start saving. You know, check all of these boxes, and then you're really set for an extended period of time. Well, you know, if you put the shoe on the other foot when you're finishing up work, every situation is truly different. Everybody's family dynamic is different. Um, you could have kids or grandkids in different locations. Um, you could have, you know, a spouse or yourself that likes to travel. Some people don't. Um, there's really no set playbook or rule book for this next phase. And that's what makes, you know, engaging with a firm like ours that much more important to help you map out, you know, where, where to go to next. And I think the other thing that's become an even bigger issue in the certainly in the last prior years is we're really starting to see the first generation of workers who have retired and their entire retirement funding has been through the 401k. Mm -hmm. So it, it used to, you know, some of these clients would come in and they have pensions and a later smaller 401k or IRA, but now it's not unheard of to see clients retiring with multi-million dollar IRAs mm -hmm. and now they have lots of different tax implications yep. as a result yep. because the rules have changed. Um, so I think that's something that, uh, has been even more interesting in the planning. Yep, and the, um, the rules have changed and they continue to change. Right. It seems like every you know year or two, we get a major overhaul for some of the distribution rules and you know whether that affects required minimum distributions or some of the other things that um, you know incorporate with the retirement plans, it's, it's consistently changing. Um, and you know we talked about the big difference between the accumulation phase and the distribution phase. And I really think that you know, if we um, think about, well, as you move towards this next phase, we just cannot overemphasize the importance of preparation and planning. Um, it is something that, you know, we see time and time again, where we'll meet with potential clients. And, you know, even though their individual situations are different, um, they seem to be within that, you know, 10 year or so window of retiring and just on the edge of, you know, getting into some of these different moving parts that we're talking about here. That's a commonality that we see across the board. Sure. And a lot of them at that point have kids who maybe are leaving the household, finishing, mm -hmm. they're finishing paying for college. So they end up having, they're in that range where they start to have more cash flow. They're maybe maxing out their retirement accounts. They're trying to figure out what to do with this other pot of money. And, and really, that's where it can get really fun, right? Having yep. this taxable account, having some Roth accounts, having some abilities to have these other buckets that can be meaningful in that distribution phase. And, and not only thinking about taxes today, but really how can you help minimize and plan for the future? Yeah. And when we, you know, initially sit down with potential clients, they'll come to us with, you know, statements and here's what I have. I have, you know, a retirement plan. I have an old IRA. You know, they might have an old 401k. They have all these, you know, bits of, of data um, and they're, you know, excited to, you know, see what we think about each of these pieces or even their allocations within, you know, each of these accounts. And, you know, consistently we say, okay, that's the technical piece. That's important. But just as important really is a non-technical piece and really just having the conversations of, what does retirement look like to you? Um, what do you envision, you know, success after you leave the workforce? Um, what does your retirement scenario look like? As in, is it a light switch where you're going to go to work um, for you know a long time? You pick a retirement date the next day, you walk out the door, or is it more like a dimmer switch where you work for a long time and you can gradually phase away? So there is 
um, just as much, you know, I would even say if not more value in actually having the conversations of mapping out the non-technical pieces of what retirement looks like for each family. And that's really the cusp of what we are, right? That's the mm-hmm. whole live greater motto. Yep. Because what we say is it's not just the money. It's how, what does live greater mean to each individual client? And interestingly enough, it's not usually the money. Yep. It's the peace of mind. It's the ability to say, hey, I can go and travel and spend X amount of money. I can buy that second home. I can do these things. And I can volunteer or I can do whatever that, whatever it looks like. So I think it's always, you're exactly right. It's a tool. It's a piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. when we look at the big picture to say, how do you want to, how, do, how are you today? How do we help you get there? And what could it look like in the future? Absolutely. And it takes effort, you know, obviously to map or to, you know, map all of those things out, um, you know, obviously putting, you know, pen to paper, so to say, and thinking about what that looks like for each family. Um, that's something that can be really helpful and, and can help you, you know, finish out a, a good career, you know, the right way. And, um, and that's, you know, something that we obviously help many potential clients with along the way. Um, the next thing that, you know, I want to get into really is more on the technical side about, you know, asset location. And, you know, once you've really crossed over that peak and you do, you know, finally retire, um, let's talk about, you know, different account locations and thoughts on, where to take money first and just some um, things to keep in mind as you navigate, you know, what assets you tap into when you initially retire. Yeah. And I think that, again, as you mentioned earlier, it's all on a personal level or everybody's going to retire at different times in different in different years, um, take distributions, have different income requirements. But some of the stuff that can really get interesting is you potentially retire before you claim Social Security. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you retire at 63 and you have this all these buckets of assets. You have taxables, you have IRA assets, you've got 401k, you've got a Roth. Um, there's an opportunity that you could potentially take money out of your IRA at a lower bracket mm-hmm. than you would potentially five years from now because when you turn on Social Security, another income stream, right? And then once you hit requirement distributions, another income stream. So it's really it's really great to start that planning sooner. You know, it's easy, again, as we talked about, kind of the, the whole premise is you you go, you um, start working, you get in your 401k plan, you save, 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 save. Mm-hmm. Um, now you can even do a Roth option, and we'll talk a little about some of the changes that they just are going to happen next year. Mm-hmm. But most of the time you see is by the time clients are in their mid-50s, majority of their assets are all in these IRAs or 401k accounts, which are all going to be taxed at retirement. So when they take that money out, they're going to be paying some tax. Those are having real implications now where it may make sense to say, look, we need to not only put money into the retirement accounts, get your match, but we need to think about building this other bucket over here, whether it's Roth or a bucket of um, taxable assets that you can access if you want to build your dream home or a second home. And it really comes down to what other aspects can you do? Because not only does that income tax affect the, the amount of money you're taking out and have to take out of IRAs affect just the taxes. But now we got to talk about Irma, right? Mm-hmm. And, and yep. you know, Irma, it, it sneaks up on you. Healthcare is expensive. One of the biggest yep. conversations we have with clients is when they retire before qualifying for Medicare is, do you know how much it's going to cost to cover yourself for medical? Yep. Um, the Affordable Care Act is not quite what one might think is yep. affordable when they get their rates. Yep. <laughs> um, so, you know, Irma can be a really big thing. You could be going on Medicare and being hit with a four or $500 a month additional cost. 
Yep. And the other piece, not only, you know, some of those things that you have to keep in mind whenever you make any sort of decision because of the trickle down effects. But um, when you think about, do we take money out of retirement accounts, non-retirement accounts, annuities, um, legacy planning is something that we consistently have on our mind when we have these conversations with clients. Obviously, the tax rules are going to really, um, you know, have implications for what we choose to do here and now. But if you reach a certain level of assets, you obviously have kids, different you know, family dynamics. Um, there will be a certain point where you want to make sure that you're doing things that not only benefit you, know, you in the here and now, but also leave them in the most beneficial position um, in the future. All right. So, so one of the things you're talking about, and I guess you're leading into, is the IRA rule changes. Yep. That changed with the Secure Act, the first one. Yep. So that was an interesting rule. Um, we got, and again, we had guidance, and then you got guidance two years later. So the rules, as you said before, they're goalpost uh, move. Yeah. Yeah. The goalpost move. So you know, biggest concern is you have, um, you pass away. You have a two million dollar IRA. Let's say you have two kids. Let's say you still have a spouse. Well, the spouse can treat the IRA as their own, right? No problem. They could take distributions over their mm-hmm. lifetime. Still probably going to be a sizable taxable distribution. Mm-hmm. If you have two children and you don't have a spouse, now they have to take, they have to split that IRA. You give them 50-50. They get a million dollars. And Chris, do you want to explain what the rules are? Yep. So then from that point, they have to withdraw that money over 10 years, either equally or have that full portfolio withdrawn after year 10. Mm-hmm. So we're finding ourselves with situations that we are making sure that clients are aware of that rule change. And oftentimes now we're encouraging them to deplete those retirement assets and leave non-retirement assets for their kids because that's going to leave their kids in a much better position and be much more advantageous on the tax side. Um, or if they're charitable. Yep. That's another thing to think yep. about because if you for if you are asset size level where you have a, a large taxable account and you have a large IRA, and you are designating a portion to charity, it's much better to give the, ch- the IRA assets to the charity mm-hmm. and leave the other assets. So those are things we got to you know talk about clients when it really comes down to what their goal yeah, is. Yeah, and for the kids, you know, they think about sometimes their kids here and now. Um, maybe they're you know in their mid to late twenties, oftentimes, and they haven't hit their peak earnings years yet. Well, if you fast forward to an average life expectancy when somebody passes away, and you do the math, next thing you know, you're leaving that portfolio. For your kids, right when they're in their peak earnings years, again, paying a lot more in taxes than, than what you know might be necessary. So, so that's great. And you know, the next thing that I thought would be good for us to talk about as it relates to distributions is really just distribution rates in general. You know, this is something that we're always reviewing with clients when we see them throughout the year to make sure that really their financial plan stays on track, that they're not withdrawing too much from. The portfolio. Let's you know talk about that and thoughts around um, really just reference points as it relates to how much they're withdrawing from portfolios. I think a, a great one to comment is one a, a client who said, and um, and again this goes back to everybody has a different set of roles mm-hmm. in playbook. Um, but I had a, one client who says, well, I got my go go years, my slow go, and my no go. Okay. Um, so in, in that scenario they may have a completely different distribution strategy than our, what I call kind of like the tortoise, right? The tortoise yep. says, hey, what can I take out never out of money? Yep. And maybe that's three, four, 5%, whatever. Again, the, there's no there's no simple answer. I always enjoy when we see in articles like, oh, the, it's changed. Well, 
if you can tell me what a client's life expectancy is and what their portfolio <laughs> is, I can tell you what they can take out. Yep. And, and have the crystal ball. Right, the crystal ball. But again, um, you know, you have clients who want to spend a lot of time traveling. And, mm -hmm. and I have this conversation a lot of the times when we're meeting with clients, we'll say, you're probably the youngest and the healthiest you'll ever be right, right now, right? We'll all be another minute older after this podcast, another yep. day tomorrow, um, and so forth. So. It, it is coming back to really doing the planning, right? Really understanding what you want to accomplish, what your lifestyle. Maybe you traveled a lot for work. That's not your thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's that second home at the beach or the lake, wherever. Maybe it's just spending time with grandkids and volunteering. Everybody's different. But I think the distribution, you know, having this kind of role, I think it's kind of a an, an outdated scenario. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would agree. It's one of those things when whenever, you know, somebody says in this you know profession that there is a right rule or there's a right way to do things, it needs to be followed by a lot of different contexts. And we're believers, like you said, that each situation is different. Um, and, you know, as it relates to distribution rates, the other thing to think about why there can't be any set rules of thumb is just because interest rates change so much. Um, you know, you think about where interest rates have been the last couple of years, we've struggled to hit really 3% on a 10 year treasury. Now you fast forward to where we are today, corporate bonds are yielding between five and 6%. If we think about how that impacts distribution rates in the portfolio, especially if rates stay at these levels for an extended period of time, like what's being anticipated, that's really going to change, um, you know, that, that sort of dynamic around distribution rates. And, you know, obviously we've had a volatile couple of years here. Um, we've had a really good year in, you know, 2021 coming out of COVID, uh, hit a peak in the market the first week of January in 2022. Then obviously we had a huge sell off and now we've had some, you know, what of a bounce to start 2023. So let's just talk about that process of selecting asset classes to fund distributions and a lot of the you know the work that we do behind the scenes for clients as the environment changes yeah and i think there's a couple of things to point out i think one thing that's really interesting um you know is, is how you're gonna one the funding piece and we'll talk about that in a minute is the IRA versus 401k right because mm -hmm. that's a big thing we get is hey i'll just set up distributions for my 401k and we, we manage a lot of 401k plans we have this conversation all, all the, the time. time and the problem with that is couple things. One, in the 401k, 401ks were not built for distribution. They were built yep. for accumulation. I mean, all by design. The other piece of it is, if you ever look at your statement, you can't have your dividends and interest pay to cash, right? Right. Has to reinvest. Right. It, which is fine in an upgoing up market. But when you're taking money out, we'll talk about why that may not work. The other piece is, you have a market like last year, mm -hmm. or target dates. Uh, well, I'll let you cover target dates. But, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but you, know, you have a market like last year, and you need to take a distribution out. And you call your provider, Fidelity and Power, whoever it is, and you say, I need to take $15,000 out. You can't say, hey, my, I own a money market that's flat. Sell out of there. What are they going to do? Sell across the board. Right. Sell across yep. the board. If, you're, if you have a growth fund that's down 30%, they just sell more shares to meet that amount. Yep. So that is something we try to educate clients, even our 401k participants. Hey, great accumulation pieces. But when you get to that distribution phase, you really have to understand how the accounts will distribute. Uh, I think the big thing you were talking to, I'll let me take the lead on this, is kind of how we look and design the distribution from our our perspective. So again, goes back to the planning, goes back to understanding the client's goals and income needs. But how do we build, you know, kind of how do we look at the, how do we approach the allocation to sustain and account for markets like last year and this year? Right. So a cardinal rule, you know, that we have at our firm over time is never sell, you know, an asset while it's down, um, you know, 
the phrase that we have in the, in the industry is volatility is, does not equal loss unless you sell. Mm-hmm. So when the market fluctuates, and you know, for example, we just went through you know a, a pretty pretty um, you know extended bear market. That whole time, we did not touch client equity, um, you know, portfolios. We simply went into their bonds and used their bonds to fund distributions um, for really the past 18 months. Um, and that's something that we think as long as you don't sell from equities at depressed prices, that's that's when you are supposed to depend on your bonds. As long as you do that for an extended period of time and you get to the other side of what, um, you know, different bear markets are going to look like, then in the long run, you're going to be in a much better place. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, for clients taking those distributions, we turn on dividends and interest to cash. Right. So that's a, that's an easy one. And now that you have interest and in actually a meaningful number above one in money markets yep. and some of the bonds, you know, that's something that can be in a sizable portfolio that can add up. If you're taking a $50,000 distribution, you have a $2 million portfolio yielding three you're, you're getting pretty close. Yeah. And, and we tell clients, even though, you know, the dollar amount that you see, if you're taking distributions in your checking account looks the same each month, there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes to make sure that that money is coming from the right place at the right time. And everybody loves a bull market when, you know, everything's going well and everybody feels good. But we do our best work and we have to show up for clients during bear markets. That's where, you know, our opinion, we add the most value um, by selecting which asset class to, to fund distributions. And I would say, you know, like we started this episode talking about, um, you know, what was expected to happen in 2023 and a lot of, um, you know, the economists and forecasts and things like that. A lot of that stuff we, you know, refer to as crystal ball type material, when in reality, you know, nobody knows where the market's going to go. Those things are out of our control. And this aspect of picking which asset classes to fund distributions, that is within our control. That's one of the few things in um, you know, our business that, that is within our control. So we just think that it's really important uh, to focus on those things that we can control, whereas you know, not, not as much things that we can't control like the market. And you, you made a comment earlier about volatility, and, and my usual comment is volatility is opportunity. Um, yep. Because there is opportunity. There's right. opportunity to make a good decision and a bad decision. And if you have a plan, and again, understanding kind of the goals, and, and even if the post, if, even if they move the goalpost, you're right. better off to be able to react. And you know, lots of and going back to kind of hey, again, having the bonds, having the cash last year, large cap value held up very well. That was another area we were able to access mm-hmm. funds from. But it was also a good opportunity to buy things that were well on sale. Right. Right. And who doesn't like to sell? <laughs> Great. And, you know, we talked about only, you know, using um, asset classes that are flat or up to fund distributions. Um, let's also talk about how we can use really that strategy and framework as a way to determine um, a client's asset allocation. You know, we get a lot of potential clients that come through the door that say, hey, you know what, I'm in a target date portfolio or I'm, a, I'm in a 60% stock, 40% bond portfolio just because I heard that's, you know, the right thing to do for somebody for my age. Let's talk about how we can use um, the distribution strategy that we use really to back into what we think the right asset allocation is for clients. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the whole 60-40, the whole standard, uh, I think, is um, antiquated for several reasons. One is, you know, they haven't changed it, re- changed it really, the strategy. And, well, we're all living longer. Um, mm-hmm. And healthcare costs are much more ex- expensive. But to your point, it, you know, looking at a client's specific goals and plans, if they're going to travel extensively for the first five years, it's going to be clearly a lot more expenses than maybe 10 years down the road. So if we can build the portfolio to say, hey, if we had a massive market decline mm-hmm. and we had to just rely on dividends and interest and 
um, being able to pull from assets that potentially weren't down or flat, what would that have to look like? And that can really lead into, that's really kind of our answer. In a lot yeah. of cases, to be shockingly, it is not 60-40 yeah. and it's not 50-50. Yeah. And, and the better part of it is, you know, we know if, if certainly if you've got a 15, 20, 30 tall it, you know, if you retire at 60, there's likelihood you could live it to 90. If you got mm-hmm. 30 time, 30 year time horizon, equities have outperformed bonds on average 100% of the time in, yep. the, in that long time run, long range run. So if that's the case, why do we want to be so conservative and give up what we know there's going to be inflation, there's going to be other costs that are going to pop up, and there's going to be things expensive later. So again, it's kind of having that design to understand what the income distribution is like in the goals. Right. And you know, you talked about the 30-year time horizon, something that I always talk about with you know potential clients when they initially start working with us, let's say they're winding things down at work and, and they're you know going to retire within the next year or two, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, I let them know that, hey, a typical retirement time horizon is 30 years. Well, if you look back at you know the history of the market, we have a decline of 20% or more once every six years, going back to the 1950s. So if you think about that in the context of a retirement time horizon, it's not if the market's going to decline and have a material pullback, it's when. So we tell you know clients, you can expect at least five different what we refer to as you know white knuckle stress test scenarios. We've had a few recently, obviously, the, the past couple of years, but we have to make sure that we are prepared for that and we have that distribution strategy, um, you know, that strategy in place. So that that's great. And something that we also talk about as a reference point is just making sure that we have typically five to seven years worth of distribution needs in bonds. And the reason why we like to have that number is because, you know, a few different reasons. One, historically, if you look back at different um, you know, severe bear markets throughout history, they tend to last between five and six years. Um, each significant drawdown in the market is going to look somewhat different. The bounce back is going to look different. But we know that if we go through a really you know, nasty scenario in a nasty bear market, typically five to seven years worth of conservative investments will be enough to get us to the other side of, of whatever that could look like. Yeah. So 08 is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Um, actually 2001 when he had a little bit different because that was really more of the dot-com and, and isolated in the technology space but nonetheless a lot of affected but you're right but that is also the volatility opportunity scenario that i like yeah. to talk about because again if you have those buckets you also have the ability to recover a little bit quicker yeah. because you can sell some of those bonds you can do some of the rebalancing buy some of the shares and as the market recovers um hopefully get out of there a little sooner Right. And, you know, the other thing I think that just having, you know, this conversation with a firm like ours and putting numbers around this, what, you know, your shortfall is, is in what's the dollar amount that you need each month? How are we going to use that to back into your allocation? That provides a ton of clarity um, because then you know that that allocation is personalized to you, your scenario, your spending rate um, and the like, whereas it's not, you know, painted with a broad brush just based on your age. Yeah. And, and, you know, also, I think the the biggest concern is too is you know when the markets do go down and and going back up it's the being prepared and having the plan because when you don't have a plan and you don't understand hey hey what's it going to look like if the market goes down 20 percent when you show someone hey a 20 percent decline would be um, a million dollars that's a much bigger different conversation because risk tolerance is an interesting conversation oh yeah it's everybody has is aggressive when the market's up right (laughs) and then they're all conservative when it's down yep Well, uh, well, that's great. Well, I know that we, you know, touched on a lot of things. Um, you know, with that being said, you know, thank you again to everybody for tuning into our first episode of 
the live greater view. Um, if you'd like to continue this conversation with our firm, you know, obviously please feel free to reach out to us. Yeah. You can visit us at VLPFA.com and um, we'd be happy to walk, look, take a look at your situation, talk to you and see how we can help you plan for the future. Thank you for listening to this episode of the live greater view. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Spotify and recommend our podcast to family and friends. To learn more about VLP Financial Advisors, please check out our website at vlpfa.com. Thanks again. And now for our necessary disclosures. Securities and advisor services offered through Cetera Advisor Networks, LLC, member FINRA SIPC, a broker-dealer and registered investment advisor. All investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment strategy will be successful. The views stated in this podcast are not necessarily the opinion of Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned. Due to the volatility with the markets mentioned, opinions are subject to change without notice. Information is based on sources believed to be reliable. However, their accuracy or completeness cannot be guaranteed. Past performance does not guarantee future results.